We are Mike and Amanda, voice actors, co-founders of The VoiceOver School, and parents to our boys, Beck and Trace. Hello. Hi. Our road to success has been unconventional, uncharted, and unique. Built on a drive for achievement, resilience, courage, personal growth, and above all else, a commitment to lifelong learning. Grow with us as we talk with inspiring, creative, purpose-driven leaders from all walks of life. This is the Mike and Amanda Method. Intentional, yet, yet unconventional. An unbelievable testament to the power of visualization. World-class drummer Ryan Van Puderoin knew who and what he wanted to become at the age of 12. Never letting go of his vision, he's been an in-demand musician since the age of 15. After years of touring and recording with household names on major labels, he's now a hugely endorsed musician, touring the world with the likes of Devin Townsend and beyond. Not only is he an incredible drummer, but Ryan is also a leader in the realm of living in gratitude, offering free motivational seminars across the globe as he tours. We're so excited to welcome to the Mike and Amanda Method, Ryan Van Puderoin. Nice to meet you, thanks for coming. Thank you for having me and amazing job pronouncing my last name because many people get it wrong. So thank you, <laughs> great job. I watched a couple interviews just to make sure. Yeah, there you go. Did his thank homework, you. which That's is, right. it's important for voice actors. We're always like looking up terms and names oh, and yeah. making sure we have them right or our clients will be like really mad, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well done, well <laughs> yes, done. Yes, good job. So thank you so much for coming today. It's truly an honor to have you here. Uh, I'm really excited to chat pro drummer, um, such an inspirational guy all around and, and what you've done. And the coolest thing is I've known you since before you were a star. <laughs> That's a long time. It's, it was it's a gotta long be time coming ago. up 20 years. It was about 20 years ago. So Ryan yeah. and I met at Hooters on Robson. It was one of my first waitressing jobs. And I happened to be a hostess with your now wife, Angela. So it was when when we were interviewing to get the job, all these girls like Lee and Sherry and everyone, they got to be waitresses right off the bat. But for whatever reason, Angela and I had to be hostesses first. And I was so, we were like, <laughs> you were so the mad. most friendly. You know, <laughs> yeah. it was, they, they liked you for that. Maybe, right? but we weren't making the tips. Oh. And then, <laughs> but uh, we both eventually made our way up to waitressing. And, and so that's how I met you was at Hooters. So how did, how did you end up like I going there? Like, cause you knew people like, cause wait, one of your friends was dating Sherry. Uh, anyway, how did we meet? <laughs> yeah, it was is interesting. Usually, the the typical answer for that is it's Hooters, and I'm a male. No. <laughs> you know, but that that actually isn't the answer. Um, there's a girl, April. Oh, April, April. Yes, of course. She, yes, she was a very very good friend of mine. Yeah, and uh, she was managing there and waitress and stuff. And anyways, April and I were very good friends. Okay, and um, that's one of the main reasons why I started going there. And then I met you. And obviously, that's how I met Angela, yes. got to know Angela and, you know, all that stuff. So I was always coming back because I ended up dating Angela and now we're married many years later. So, oh. uh, but yeah, that's that's how it all began there. And it became kind of a, a hangout, I guess you'd say, after we finished band rehearsals and stuff like that, we go hang yeah. out at Hooters with our friends. Yeah. So, so at that time, you were playing music, obviously, but... Yep. You weren't necessarily in a touring band at the point, or where were you in your career? Yeah, in my career, I wasn't at the professional stage that I'm at right now, um, or have been the past, you know, 18 years. But um, it was just a few years after that that I did uh, hit that professional stage. But at wow. the time, I was 
you know, uh, just working my butt off in Vancouver yeah, and uh, making things happen, playing with tons of various bands. I was, um, you know, doing session work. I was teaching. I was doing anything to get my name out there. You were with God Awakens Petrified, right? That's right. Yes, I remember watching you guys at the Cobalt and Brickyard, and that oh, that was places. wasn't that a good time though? Like I am nostalgic of that time. It was just the music scene, and it, Vancouver was so much smaller, and you know, it it was just a good time. It was fun. That part of my career, or you know, my musical heritage, let's say. Um, was probably my favorite part. Mm. You know, it's it's a different level than I'm at now. And obviously this is my favorite part because you're in buses touring the world and doing all that stuff. But as far as being in Vancouver, mm-hmm. that was the best time. It really was. Hands down. The people were great. It was a really tight scene too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like... It, Amanda played in what in Bliss, right? Yeah, I was in In Bliss, and then I had Amanda Sonic. That's right. And then yeah. <laughs> and you were part of the scene, and that was the cool thing about the scene back then was that it didn't matter if you were in a rock band, if you're in a metal band, or a pop band, or anything. Mm-hmm. It was a tight circle. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter if the people were good, you'd hang out with them. Yeah. So that's what was really cool about it. It's like I went to Amanda Sonic shows, I went to In Bliss shows, I went to. Everything, anything yeah. to support friends, yeah. right? So even yeah. myself, when I was 18, I grew up in Saskatchewan. Me and my punk rock band, we toured across the West in our Ford Supervan, 1978 oh, Ford yeah. Supervan converted, and we played at the Cobalt. Yeah. And are they still doing shows there even uh, at this point? I I re- I think so. <laughs> that would be his, a trip to go down there. <laughs> it would be. But uh a lot of the venues that, that we played at, they don't even exist. Town Pump's gone, Starfish yeah. Room. Oh, the Starfish you know, Room was Brickyard. Epic, Brickyard yeah. is not around anymore. No. Oh. Wow. Yeah. None of those places, you know? Remember Hero, the the fire juggler yeah. guy? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, not to um like not include you in this, Mike. Like yeah, you were I like feel so isolated. But he Mike was like 12 at the time <laughs> i'm like way older than him so yeah. No, that's yeah but i probably was 12 but you mike is a very very talented musician and yeah and we, we played in a band for a while so anyway yeah. i'm gonna stop talking about me and my band days because um it's just being around you it reminds me of that it was it was such a fun time but uh tell us what you're up to now and and I mean, maybe even the progression of becoming a pro drummer, yeah. like you went from do, doing sessions and, and then what happened to get you to that next level. Okay. I'll tell you what, if you guys got some time, we do. I'm going <laughs> to give you a story that's inspirational because I am, uh, for lack of a better description, I'm a motivational speaker. I cool. go around the world and, and I, uh, I do these seminars, but I do them for free for all the people who support the music that we play. It's a way for me to give back to them and an extra thank you. And also uh, an explanation of how I got to where I am today mm. and how I succeeded. So I think this would fit in perfectly because it, it does describe how I went from not being successful or a professional musician in the Vancouver music scene, struggling all the way to, you know, touring the world, playing Royal Albert Hall and all these massive festivals and being fully endorsed, being a modern drummer, all that stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is it. If you guys got the time, this mm-hmm. is going to be a long story, but it's, it's it very interesting and it. it's, it's very inspirational or or so the people that I tell it to say so, right? <laughs> okay, so let's start from the beginning. 10 years old is when I started drumming. And how did I start drumming? My father's a piano player, uh, teacher as well. And uh, I grew up in a small town called Port Alberni. He played in a cover band. Uh, during their sound checks, my brother, Jason, 
uh, Van Puderoyen, who's also a very successful producer in the music industry. So um, that's cool. You guys both. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we both took it on. Right. Wow. But we'll get into that a little more later. But uh, anyways, Jay and I, we'd run around, play hide and seek or floor hockey or whatever, while they'd be checking in these various venues in town for the cover band. And then eventually at the end of it, I'd just run up stage when uh, sound check was done and I'd start jumping on the drum kit. I was mm. just attracted to it, you know, and I'd start playing. And after a while, my father and his drummer noticed that I was really digging and they'd be like, wow, you know, uh, his drummer would be like, Ryan can actually keep some time as he had lessons. Like, no, he should get him drumming. So dad came up to me, that eventual talk happened. <laughs> and uh, he's like, do you want to start drumming? I'm like, heck yeah, that'd be oh, amazing, cool. right? So um, that's how I started drumming. I went through it for a couple of years, got my first drum kit when I was 12 years old. And the cool thing about it with my parents is they taught me discipline um perseverance you know I, I had to work hard to get that drum kit mm. i started out on a single practice pad and it's the best thing they could have ever done for me mm. and i stayed on that practice pad for a year right wow. and so anyways you do this i i went through all these stages um 15 years old i'm playing in bars with like 25 year olds really? because I was the best drummer in town. Wow. You know, at 15 years old, I was blown <laughs> oh, away guys so older than me. So they would hire me, you know, by the time I graduate straight to Vancouver, literally just straight to Vancouver. You knew it. Just, just because you, you were called out there or you were actually pulled out there by gigs or. No, it just... was, it was what I wanted to do. I knew if I, if I was going to do anything with my life and music, there's no way in a town of, you know, 20,000 people that you're going to be able to, to really pull that off. You got to mm -hmm. go where all the action is, where all the opportunity is. And that was Vancouver. Mm -hmm. And so I moved to Vancouver and, uh, you know, actually to backtrack just a quick second, when I was 12 years old and I did get that drum kit, it was on a Christmas morning. Aww. Okay. Never it's, forget that moment. Never. It's actually Aww. a pretty funny story. So <laughs> here's, here's how it goes. Um, Every year, Christmas tree was always set up in the living room. This year, my dad set it up in the rec room. And we're like, that's kind of odd. Jason and I were thinking, you know, so we go to bed not thinking anything, you know, wake up in the morning, you know, typical 5 a.m., you know, <laughs> Christmas morning. Yeah, right. Yeah. And uh, we're allowed to open the stockings, no gifts. But so th it was kind of like a horseshoe shape, the way this house is designed. It's a rancher. And uh, we come out of our bedroom into the living room and then the kitchen is kind of there and then it moves over to the rec room. So you had to kind of walk around to get there. So we're walking through the living room, we get into the kitchen and then we hear these sounds. Oh. I'm like, what's this? Parents are sleeping, you know? And, and I'm like, this is a little bit weird. And Santa? It, well, <laughs> yeah, I'm, we're past that stage. Of <laughs> but but um, I was listening and we got all worked up going, oh, someone breaking in the house. Mm -hmm. Aww. You know, kids, <laughs> right? Yeah. Christmas yeah. morning, of course someone's going to break in the house. <laughs> um, so being the brave big brother I am, I sent him a little brother to go check out the scene, <laughs> right? And uh, he walks in there and comes out screaming. And he's like, oh, my, I thought it was like, okay, someone. Freddy Krueger, yeah. Jason Voorhees <laughs> got him, right? You know, um, But he yells, it's a drum set. And mm. I push him out of the way. You know, I run in there. And what's a 12-year-old kid going to do at 5 in the morning when there's a 
full drum kit setup. Start hammering on it. <laughs> exactly. And wow. I've never seen my parents run that fast to this very day. Yeah. My mom's telling my dad, I told you so. You know, and yeah. my dad just had the biggest smile on his face. Now, the reason why I'm telling this story, okay, and then we'll fast forward to Vancouver. My dad got me off the kit, calmed me down. And before he could say anything, I looked up at him and I said, when I grow up, I'm going to be a rock star. Mm. I mean, professional musician. I can't stand that term. By the way. <laughs> um, but you're a kid. Yeah. So I'm going to be a rock star. I'm going to be a modern drummer. I'm going to tour the world. I'm going to be in tour buses. I'm going to get drum endorsements. I listed off everything. Oh, my gosh. That's what truly inspired me. Wow. And I never forgot that morning, right? Yeah. That's what truly inspired me when I graduated to go straight to Vancouver. Wow. And and that's why I did that, right? You're on a mission. And to, it's funny, my dad and I, we talk about it often, but not long ago, he just got remarried and we're, we're talking about this stuff and, and uh, he remembers that morning. He's just like, you accomplished everything you told me. I've been in modern drummers and main feature. I have all the biggest drum endorsements in the world. I've played the biggest places from Royal Albert Hall, Saitama Arena in, in Japan, wow. you know, Wacken and Download Festivals in Europe. Like, I've done it all. Oh, my gosh. Right? But it was that passion and, and never quit, which I'll get into in a bit. But that's why I moved to Vancouver. That, that morning was one of the biggest turning points in my entire life. So you must have been itching through high school. Yes, it was. <laughs> it's all that I could Because you knew you mind. were going already. Yeah. I, I knew what I wanted to do with my life. And... That's one thing that that people got to realize is you have to find your purpose in life. Mm-hmm. Everyone has one, but so many people are conformed to you got to work nine to five. Mm-hmm. Then when you're 65, you can retire and you can go on vacation. Right. You know, no, it doesn't work like that. If there's one phrase you'll hear me say probably a lot in this interview today is do what you love and love what you do every single day. Mm-hmm. That's so important. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. I moved to Vancouver. Now, I'll give you a shortened version because this could take up the whole interview, but um <laughs> When I got to Vancouver, uh, one of the things my father always taught me, and I grew up in a very positive household, but my father said, you know what? Always be versatile. You know, Mm -hmm. don't put all your eggs in one basket. So when you listen to music, don't just listen to metal. Mm -hmm. You know, listen to to various styles of music. When you join bands, don't just join a metal band. Join different styles of bands. Make yourself, you know, as big and as much as you can. You know, and so I focused on that. I joined a pop band. Do you remember the band June? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. With uh, Crispin. Crispin. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. I played in June with oh. my brother on bass. Okay. Right? Yeah. So I joined pop bands. I joined blues bands. I even joined a country band for one week. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I couldn't oh. do country. Worst week of your life. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that just reminded me you were in our jam spot um, yes. on 7th. Yes. And your drum kit was like crazy. And you were in that corner. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Reminiscing. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Um, So I started doing that stuff. Now I did that for years. Okay. And wasn't getting the results. Mm. And then it's like, okay, one thing that you need to do when, when you're on a journey, like I said, is not put all your eggs in one basket. You got to turn over stones, open as many doors as you can. There's an analogy that I use uh, at my seminars that I came up with. So, Amanda, say say you and I go on a, a week-long fishing trip, okay? Mm-hmm. And uh, every single day, we're, we're going fishing. You bring your one fishing rod, I bring 10, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, we're only fishing maybe 500 feet away from each other. 
same lake, everything, throwing our, our lines with our bobbers. But you throw on your one line, I throw on my 10 lines every single day for seven days that week. Mm. Who do you think has a better chance each and every day to catch a fish? You do. You. It's pretty obvious, right? Mm -hmm. That's how you should work with your life. That's how you should work with your goals and everything that you want to do is I oh, teach this to people. I love that. Sorry. Right? Ah, high fives. Yeah, I love yeah. that. <laughs> and that's one thing that my parents taught me, not just my, my father, my mother taught me this as mm -hmm. well. So I was like, okay, this one fishing rod, it's had some success, but it's one fishing rod. I'm just mm -hmm. joining bands. Like one band, your st the right. style you like and you're like, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, extra fishing rods were joining different bands in different genres. Mm -hmm. That didn't go either. So I didn't stop there. So the next thing was, what can I do that can get more attention, uh, more people find out about me? I'm mm -hmm. like, I'm good enough to start teaching at least beginners. So mm -hmm. I started my teaching career. Mm -hmm. And I started getting more people. And it led me to meeting people like uh, Denton and, and Grant. Mm -hmm. And yeah, uh, Grant. God Awakens Petrified. Mm -hmm. So... I kind of led to, to things like that through teaching and these other things and just other people in the music scene. Mm -hmm. So I did that along with playing with different bands and stuff. And um, again, didn't get that professional stage or career that I wanted at the time, right? So it's like, I need to throw more fishing, line, uh, fishing lines out there. So start thinking again, I'm like, what can I do that's going to really get people's attention session work of mm. course you're playing for producers uh record label execs will come in uh engineers you know the just the studios alone if you're great they'll talk keep about you, you to them. everyone yeah. and keep you on their short list mm -hmm. so i'm like okay i didn't shoot down one studio i looked up 10 of the top studios i go to greenhouse the armory warehouse like all the big names and then some uh, smaller ones i'm like let's just try and land some session work right? did you have demos back then like yep. on a cd or yes. a tape or <laughs> right no internet right so i go to all these studios super confident have my spiel down you know i am ready to go yeah every single studio i went to i'd be a minute into it and they'd be like yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, man. We got our list of guys. Mm. And uh, thank you, but no thank you. I got shut down every studio. Mm. Every single studio shut me down. And how did that feel? <laughs> well, yeah, you know, you're deflated. You're, you're, you feel defeated and whatnot. But because of the way I was brought up, I knew you can't give up. Mm. And there's, there's one thing that I teach in my seminars. I call it the big three um out of the nine steps that i teach that i follow and the big three are this believe in yourself work hard or take action never quit mm. those are the three most important things anyone does any successful person has all three of those steps down and they seem logical it seems obvious simple right? simple mm -hmm. but a Quotation lot of marks <laughs> a lot of people are scared of the middle one which is work hard, mm. take action. Mm -hmm. They'll believe and dream things all day long and they'll never stop dreaming. But when it comes to taking that action, that's where a lot of people fall short. So being deflated and all these studios turned me down, I'm like, I'm not gonna give up, but I gotta find a way to get into them. So, you know, a few weeks went by, nothing's happening. Then uh, a buddy of mine introduced me to this other guy who plays in a punk band and uh, you know, I hooked up with them, met them at, at their place. And we're just hanging out, having some beers and stuff. And 
And they were going to go into the studio, Greenhouse Studios. Mm. Which band was it? Uh, what's the name <laughs> of this band? I can't That's remember. That's okay. <laughs> Tuffy. Yeah. And I should because... Uh, it was your first session. I think the record label was almost like Red Plum Records or something like that. Okay. But uh, it, it'll come to me. But um, I've done so many sessions too, right? <laughs> but this is an important story, so I should remember that. Um, but anyways, um, I go to do this session. And then uh, uh, I, I was like, how, how are you guys going to record this? And he's like, our drummer can't play a click track. So we can't go in now. We can't afford a session drummer. And I was like, bing, idea comes up, right? And I'm like, okay, well, I'll do the session. And he says, yeah, Ryan, we, we, we can't pay you. I mm -hmm. go, it doesn't matter. Just get me in the studio. I'll do it for free. Mm -hmm. And he's like, what? I said, I'll do it for free. Just get me in the studio. It's three songs. No problem. I'll mm -hmm. do it. Just get me in the studio and I'll record it. I'll to record the click it for track. free. To click track. How so did the drummer feel though? Well, yeah. he, 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 couldn't, was cool. he couldn't play to it. So yeah. it, it was his his own fault. Yeah. They wanted, they had the money to do it. But, you know, the producer was like, hey, you know, he's not good enough to record. It's, yeah. And back then it wasn't like you throw it into Pro Tools and right. you can grit everything. Right. 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 Like you had to know you your stuff back then. Yeah. You had to do it. Right. Good for you. So I practice it like all the time. As, as you know, I, yes. I teach uh, Trace. What's the first thing that we do? It's click track every drum lesson, right? Yeah. So play that game. That's right. Yeah. That's the game. Sixty beats per, per minute. Right? Ah, you got it down. <laughs> Z knows. Um, so, anyways, I go into this studio, and this was funny because uh, one of the guys uh, is walking around there, and he looks at me as I'm setting up my drums. He's like, "Hey," and I'm like, oh, "Yeah, yeah, that's me." You were and the one. Like, so you're the drummer in this punk band? I'm like, "Nope." He's like, "Yeah," because they were gonna come in and do a session, but you know, it didn't work out because they're a drummer. And they go, I'm doing the session. And he's like, you tricky son of a guy. Wow. You know, it's like. <laughs> was that like did Bruce it. Levins at Greenhouse or something? Bruce, Bruce was in charge of it at the time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, um, yeah, they're like, whoa. And so anyways, I go in there and I say to him, if I nail this, I got in here. And mm. did whatever it took to get here. Mm. Put me on that short list. If I impress the band, the producer, and you guys, he's like, yeah, we'll be watching kind of thing, right? So mm. I go mm. in there. They had a day for three tracks to get sounds and to, to record the three tracks. We got sounds in about two, two and a half hours. Yeah, yeah, two and a half hours. And mm. then I recorded all three songs, multiple takes in two hours. And they were like, and it's like an eight-hour, ten-hour block. They were wow. for, for the drums. Yeah. Wow. Everyone was like, who is this guy? Wow. I floored everyone. Perfect takes, bang on with the click track. And uh, everyone's impressed. Not only that, they only booked the day for drums. We got all the bass tracks on the same day. So you're saving the money and you're saving the day and yeah. sounding good. That's, right? I love it. Yeah. And it's, it's being prepared. It's being on top of your game at all times because you never know when that chance is going to arise. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the most important things you can do with any career that you do is be on top of your game at all times. Because things mm. are slow doesn't mean a thing. Because mm. the very next hour, next day, next week, that mm. golden opportunity can arise. And, and if it happens, you have to be ready. If you're not ready, that, that could be your, your greatest chance 
you know, dissipating right in front of your eyes. So you're a real master at creating opportunities for yourself. And that's definitely when I'm listening to your story, what sets you apart from, you know, 99% of the musicians out there. It's like, you have to have that driven business mindset. You can't just, you know, play at the starfish room and hope to get discovered. Just hope to get discovered, right? This is it. (laughs) That's exactly it. And and you got to think outside the box. You got to keep pushing through. So this is how it happened. I nailed that. I got tons more session work because word got around about right. me. Okay. Um, after the session work kept on coming, coming and coming, I get a phone call a couple years later. It didn't happen right away. God Awakens Petrified. My band started doing really well. We're mm-hmm. selling out the Starfish Room and, you mm-hmm. know, doing some bigger stuff, opening for Megadeth. And, you know, cool. things were happening. But uh, when we shopped to labels, we almost got a deal, but it fell through. You know, that's where I was at. Mm-hmm. Close, but no cigar. Mm -hmm. But I never gave up. I kept Mm -hmm. on doing everything, right? Um, So this one evening, I get a phone call. And it's a number I don't know. I pick it up. I'm like, hello? It's Ryan there. I'm like, yeah, it's Ryan. And uh, this is Devin Townsend. I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Say that again? (laughs) You know? And he's like, this is Devin Townsend. He goes, I want you to come try out for my band. I'm like, this is crazy. Right? Mm-hmm. This is a huge you knew, artist. You knew of him before. Oh, yeah. Right? yeah. Everyone in Vancouver knows Devin Townsend. Like, he's, as far as metal goes, he is metal in, mm-hmm. in Vancouver, right? Mm-hmm. Biggest name for that. So I was like, wow, right? So I show up, you know, I go to, to this uh, tryout. He gave me five songs to learn. I learned them all, you know, and um, we just started jamming. I had to play on. This guy's name is Gene Hoagland. He's a very, very famous drummer in the metal community worldwide. Mm. Like very famous, legendary, right? And the guy is like six foot eight, <laughs> and wow. wingspan of a Boeing 747. <laughs> like it's crazy, right? And I had to play on his kit. So oh. it was nothing like mine. Oh, you can't man. touch it. You know, <laughs> and you it. just, you have to adapt mm-hmm. like life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I just went in there and I'm just like, I'm going to, kill this oh and yeah nail it. I, I don't attitude. care what you throw at me I want this gig yeah right so I went in there and we started jamming and sure it was awkward it was weird but it didn't matter I just kept pushing and just show them what you got you know play for the song but you know spice it up when you need to and we were just jamming riffs not even the songs and after about five minutes Devin stopped the jam mm-hmm. and he looked at me he goes you're the guy whoa I'm like what we haven't even played your music. He goes, no. He goes, how you hit your snare and, and your confidence, that's what I want. He goes, I know you're going to be able to pull this off. I know what you do with God Awakens Petrified. You're the guy. And I got the gig, and I'm just, wow. like, wow. beside myself, right? And it changed my life, you know? Wow. And and here's the thing, and this is why I told this whole story, is after a couple jams and stuff, I finally remembered it's like hey how did he even hear of me he didn't have my number mm. you know this is so i asked him one day i'm like how did you get my number how did you even hear about me he goes man when i knew i wanted to get a new drummer for this band because he had a band called strap young live which is super heavy stuff and then he had devon towns and solo stuff the devon towns and stuff is really um it's it's not as heavy it's a little bit of everything. I remember right? Strapping Young Lad too. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Gene played in Strapping Young Lad, but mm-hmm. he wanted to separate because he got all the Strapping Young Lad guys to play solo stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's so different that he wanted a separate band for mm-hmm. that. 
So anyways, when he went out, he went to producers, he went to musicians, he went to studios, he went to everyone he knew in the music scene. And he said to me, this is his story, he goes, everyone I went to, he goes, was the same thing. They list a couple of drummers, but your name was the only time, every time to come up. Mm. Why? Fishing rods. Mm. I kept, kept knocking on the door. I kept opening doors, turning over stones, throwing those lines out there. Mm. And I got my name out there to the point where no one could avoid who Ryan Van Puderoin was. Wow. So mm. when he asked around, it's like, yeah, so-and-so, oh, have you heard of RVP? Oh, so-and-so, have you heard of Ryan Van Puderoin? Oh, what about this Ryan guy? And finally, he's like, who the hell is this guy? You know? <laughs> and... That's how I got that, right? That's so so I, I think that's so phenomenal. And the other thing, too, that I find inspiring about this story is that it's not like you had to go down to L.A. and, like, try to meet these big producers. It was like you niched it down. Like, you were— You, you kept were, it local. Yeah, yeah, and I—you know, it's taken me a lot of years to— to learn that for myself. Cause I always felt like, Oh, I got to be in LA to be successful and this and that. But what I'm realizing now is like, you know, you build local, you start local within your scene and you become, you know, big, like the, the big fish in the small pond. And then boom, the opportunity will be there for like the bigger thing, the next step. So, yeah. and now you're you know, fully endorsed with, I mean, you go to your website, there's like, like endless amounts of sponsors that you have. sponsors listed. Yeah. So did you, did you do the same thing for sponsors or did they just all find you once you're touring the world? And with, with endorsements is a little bit different because you, they're huge already. Yeah. You know, and they got artists to this day way bigger than I am with bigger names, you know, but um, you definitely go to them. Mm. But as soon as they check out your socials, all the numbers, they care about the analytics. What what endorsements care about? How many people are you playing in front of? How active are you? Right. Mm -hmm. You know, it has nothing to do. A lot of people think, oh, I got to be the best drummer in the world and they'll sign me. Mm. There are amazing players who get turned down day in and day out. I mm. talk to my endorsement reps about it all the time. and They kind of laugh about it because they're like, it's not just about how good you are. Yeah. And these people think that. Mm -hmm. And more importantly, they'll sign people and then they don't do the work on their end. So they just kind of drop. Yeah. They're like, oh, I got my endorsements. Give, 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 mm -hmm. you know, or sorry, take, take, take. Right. They expect give, give, give. Mm -hmm. But the difference with me and why I've had such a good long lasting relationship with all these endorsements is I work just as hard for them as they do for me. Wow. It's a two-way road. And a lot of people don't get that when they get these endorsements. Or before they get them, they just think, oh, I'm a name, so they got to provide for me. It oh. doesn't work like that. I've made it. I'm done. Now that's it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And and so when I went in there, I went in there with a completely different attitude, which, again, you've heard how I got to where I was to, to start this professional career. Mm -hmm. I took that same attitude, and I brought it in with my endorsements. Mm -hmm. I'm like... Fishing rods. Mm -hmm. How how can I do things for them? So I do drum videos for them. I'll do multiple posts on them and tag them all the time. Mm. You know, it's like I'm constantly thinking about them. Why? Because I'm extremely grateful that these yeah. guys are willing to give me gear that put my name up on their site, mm. advertise, you know, my band's album coming out. Yeah. I I couldn't be more grateful. And mm. I'm sorry that if if you want that kind of stuff. Work just as hard for them. Mm -hmm. That's the one thing I'll say. It doesn't matter if you're in sports, if you're a musician, an actor. It doesn't matter what you're endorsing. Don't mm -hmm. have that ego. Mm -hmm. Get rid of the ego. Mm -hmm. If anything, have a ton of gratitude mm 
Mm-hmm. And you'll be amazed at how much harder they'll work for you. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's guys who are much bigger than I am, uh, who are endorsed by the same company as I am. But my reps do more work for me. Wow. Than some of these guys. Not all of them, of course. I'm just saying there's examples of where all they do is take. Right. But yeah. you know what? It's like every time I email or, or I call, it's it's replied the same day. It's having that endless gratitude too. Like mm-hmm. I feel like you're a very gracious person for everything that you've received and all the opportunities that you've had. It's like you don't take it for granted. And yeah. your, your parents must be so proud of you I, and your brother. Yeah, well, I, that's it. And I'm very grateful for my parents because they taught a lot of this stuff to me that, at that, a young age. I, I wanted to interject with you were talking about <clears throat> the big three with the self-belief being mm-hmm. kind of your first um, – first big three out of the the points you teach. Mm -hmm. Um, It seems like you grew up in a really supportive family that kind of Mm -hmm. empowered and supported these traits. Um, Is there anything you could suggest to other people to kind of build these traits? Or is there a way you maintained or expanded these traits just to keep you in the game? Because I know even myself, like confidence is a big issue. Is it like, I've kind of, for lack of better terms, like kind of followed Amanda's path that she already carved into voiceover. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm I'm slowly eking my way out, but I want to I want to step forward uh, stronger in in the realm of breath work and teaching, kind of like you do in your courses and presentations. I'm curious if you have any insight or ideas into that about the self belief. Self belief is a is a crazy thing because everything starts with thought. That's that's what I've always said. What you think about, you bring about. So right now, both you guys were nodding your heads as I said that. What's the first thing you did before you nodded your head? Honestly, you guys thought thought. about that, and that's why you went like this. Yeah, right. Okay, so the power of thought is a big thing to me, and that connects to self-belief in my own vision, right? And I've always, 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 for example, visualized or meditate and whatnot. That helps with my self-belief because... I put myself, I visualize the place that I want to be. I've done this since I was a kid. The power of visualization is insane. Okay. It's huge. And people who aren't doing it, do it. And this is the reason why. If you put yourself in that moment, that moment is real. That's where you're going to be. No question. Hmm. Okay. And don't, Attach yourself to the details. That's a that's a big right, one. Right, and that's something that you do, Mike. I, I try to I try to achieve perfection or some sort of expertise to a degree that I can right. give myself permission to say yes, I can do this now. Got to be careful with that, and this is why. You're dreaming about your your car, your dream car. It's a red Ferrari. It's this it's year a Lamborghini. Oh, okay, <laughs> so let's go with the Lamborghini. <laughs> okay, so it's a red Lamborghini. Uh, you know, it's a specific year. Uh, just everything, the tires are, the, the specific tires you want, all that stuff. If you're if you're doing that, this is what happens is you have this scale that's, that's this big scale. And it keeps on getting smaller and smaller, everything you attach yourself to. Next thing you know, it's down to one thing. Let me ask you this. Sure, it's a red Lamborghini you wanted. What if a red Ferrari came up? Mm. You're not okay. going to take that? No, I'd still take you, it. You have to leave it open. Okay. Again, this this comes back to almost like the, the fishing rod analogy. Mm-hmm. Right. Is when you visualize, you know, yes, th- there's there's an outline of what you're going for, a music career, voiceover career. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. That's what you have in mind. Put yourself in that place. 
for example, uh, I love Westwood Plateau and I always visualize having a place up here. Mm. Does, do I name a street? No. Mm. Uh, do I think about how many rooms and, and whatever's going to be in the, how, how many, uh, how big the garage is going to be, how many cars going to park in it? No, I don't think about any of that stuff. But I see myself walking around in that place. Okay. That is like next level stuff, Ryan. I think that is. It is. Doesn't it, that sound like it's Joe Dispenza? Much, it's very much. Do you know of Joe Dispenza? I, I don't. He's, I should though. You've got to check him out. I will. He's very into the science behind the attraction and the the energetic uh, matches that you can create in your life and living in different frequencies of reality. Mm -hmm. And that is that is so on point because. I feel that getting caught up in the details, like, so for you, it was like drummer. Mm. You want to be a professional drummer. You didn't know what that was going to look stages, like. stages, endorsements. Right. You, you weren't like, this is you the endorsement. Like, this band, this yeah. genre, yeah. This, exactly. these songs. Like, you had the intention because you were inspired and you were acting on the intention, but you let the opportunities just kind of come to you. That's exactly. And, and that's huge. It's, mm. put it this way, um, religion, I'm not a, a religious guy. And nothing against religion, um, but I'm a universe guy. It's like the universe provided me Devin Townsend because I did all the groundwork. There is no way when I was 16 years old, when Devin was pretty much my same age and was a nobody then, that I was going, man, you know, when I'm 29 years old, I'm going to meet Devin Townsend. I'm going to tour around the world. I'm going to be in this tour bus. I'm going to play Royal Albert Hall. These are the endorsements. I'm mm -hmm. No. That not not a chance that's that's where i believe it's like any religion or in my case the universe will provide for you you just got to do the groundwork for mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. you know now getting back to the the self-belief thing and all that when you visualize and and you're putting yourself in those moments that is the biggest inspiration you could have and and it does make your confidence stronger okay i found that because i get out of it i wake not wake up but i'd open my eyes and i'd be like okay this is what i need to do what am i what am i going to do today to better myself mm. to better my career and then i go out and i do it just okay? for like a tangible step for someone listening who's never visual visualized or doesn't know like quite how to do it like is there like a i set a timer for five minutes i do it in the morning mm. i do it at night like what are some like tips for to actually how to do it this is a great question for me first thing in the morning because fresh mind. Mm -hmm. I woke up, I'm relaxed. I've had a good sleep. Uh, I never do it longer than five minutes because yeah. what I've found is I have visualized for 10 minutes and you get so into it and guess what happens? You guys want to guess? Get into the details. hundred ah. percent. I started attaching myself to the details because I'm like, this is awesome. Oh, this feels good. By the end of it, I'm driving that red Lamborghini. I'm in Westwood Plateau at this exact address. And, you know, next thing you know, you've just sabotaged everything else that could happen. Potential. Yeah, mm -hmm. The potential, yeah. you know, it diminishes a bit. And it's not like this is magic. And when you visualize, you know, all this stuff's going to come true. But visualization is extremely powerful. But, yeah, mm -hmm. you know, like you, you got to be careful with it. So tips. Uh, I never go longer than five minutes. Okay. Um, I love doing it first thing in the morning, mm -hmm. you know, just because it's it's fresh. And um, you know what? This may sound crazy, but I don't care. It works, <laughs> it works for me. I'll literally have conversations. I've had stuff before. And it's kind of weird because I just did an interview with Metal Hammer. 
It's one of the biggest metal magazines in the world. And I have, many years ago, I remember visualizing one time an interview with Metal Hammer. And the thing about it, I was talking out loud Mm. as if it was happening. And that's the thing. Mm -hmm. When you visualize, be there. Mm -hmm. It's real. Be there like you're in that moment. Well, because your your mind doesn't know the difference, yeah, right? Joe, Between... Joe Dispenza talks about when you're in that state, you are in that state. And you then are. you just have to teach your body how to react to that. So you're not staying in your old patterns and old habits, recycling your same experiences. Exactly. And so if you, can, if you can put your mind in that future state and feel the feelings, that will translate to you know, attracting a different frequency into your life. And then in turn, it slowly um, helps you realize that like it's possible. You know, yes. like for me too, like I, um, I wanted to be like a rock star, you know, for the younger, my earlier years. And, uh, but then it, it kind of evolved to just, I have to make a living at like, um, being creative and expressing myself and, and voice, you know, like it was like always just, okay, am I going to be like a TV host? Am I going to be a, um, a radio DJ a or it was something yeah. to do with like just wanting to be creative and, and expressing myself. I, I think those are like wonderful, wonderful tips. And, um, well, even, even how our, you know, our now business in voiceover started with us just, you yeah, know, we had no idea what we were doing. We had no idea what we were doing, but, but yeah. I had some insight. I remember dialing it way back. Like, what can I do in music? Like, I didn't feel like I was that talented of a musician. Um, there's a lot of things that I'm like, well, I, I just don't feel comfortable. And my sister actually got me, she wrote out this, this thing. It was like how to be an audio engineer. And that kind of inspired me. I was like, oh yeah, there, there are other avenues in music and audio production. Mm-hmm. And that led to us kind of collaborating on the energetic mastermind, trying to build a life for ourselves. And then one day we were walking on the seawall in Cole Harbor and it was like, I want to own a production company. And I didn't know what that meant or mm-hmm. f- was going to look like. It ended up, I was producing like, well, we had a band, which was mm-hmm. part of it, but then I was producing her voiceover and then became a voice actor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's, that was totally an example of like not understanding, but, you know, having an idea, but not worrying about the details. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You didn't attach yeah. and, and look at where it got you, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? Um, so visualization, those, those points are, are a big thing. And you just gave a great example of how you visualize something and visualization isn't always sitting on your on a chair in a room in a dark room and doing your thing, right. you can be on the seawall and mm-hmm. you can be visualizing, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm driving and I'll be thinking about stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it doesn't matter. It's just, it's putting yourself in that moment and, and thinking about it and don't attach to the details. But visualization is a great practice for, for self belief. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing that is so, so important is how you talk to yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay, so many people talk down about themselves. And that is one of the worst things you can do that can completely sabotage everything. People who say, here's a here's a classic one. Oh, I just I, I, I look too fat. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, I can mm-hmm. never get rid of that weight. Mm-hmm. Can't won't all these horrible words, right? Mm-hmm. You have to be careful of that. Mm-hmm. If you guys want to hear the one of the biggest turning points actually it is the biggest turning point in my life with believing in myself Mm. happened again when i was young Mm. okay and i I grew up in a very positive household and it came from a movie Mm -hmm. and that movie my favorite movies of all time 
Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back. Okay, so I had struggles like every kid does when you're growing up. I'd play soccer and I'd be right wing. And then coach would throw you on left wing just to try it out. You know, you go to kick with the ball. I'd go to kick it to someone and you'd go the completely opposite direction, you know, because I was right footed. And, you know, I'd lose my confidence and my dad would bring me home after uh, a game and take me on the backyard with soccer ball. And he'd be like, here you go. Let's kick this back and forth. I'm like, all right. He'd kick it to me. I go to kick it. It's like, stop. I'm like, what? Left foot, every shot. Hmm. Oh, (laughs) And I did it. And he said, don't worry about where it's going. Every time you do it and the more persistent you are, the better you're going to get. And and he teach me these things at eight years old. And he goes, that's how life works, right? So I always remembered that. And constantly, Jason and I had come home from school, you know, have a test that we're studying for he's like okay so how's the studying going it's hard and i catch myself and i look at him it's easy oh. you know it's like and and Cute. but then we'd start thinking about that yeah. and we're like actually it is easy if we do things this way or if we study more if we did you know you'd find your ways around yeah. it yeah so it started the belief mechanism was starting to kick in more and we're starting to understand at this extremely young age because mm. my parents were bringing us up around this yeah. Fast forward to Empire Strikes Back. I'm a big Star Wars fan. And uh, yeah, this is giving, giving away my age. It's like <laughs> I saw the original opening of Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, so, same. <laughs> right? So um, <clears throat> I go to see this movie and everyone knows Yoda. Okay, mm-hmm. so it gets to the point where Luke Skywalker... Hopefully everyone who's listening to this has seen this movie. But the hero of the movie, Luke Skywalker, flies this planet to learn about the Force. The Force is this magical thing where you can move things and and make things happen. It's, you know, it's amazing stuff, right? So as a kid, you're enthralled with the Force. And uh, it's that scene where he goes through his training with Yoda to learn about the Force. And when Luke came to the planet to find Yoda, he crashed his X-Wing fighter spaceship into the swamp. And it just, uh, you know, sunk to the bottom. That's that. So after the training, Yoda wants to test Luke Skywalker, brings him back to the swamp, says, use the force to take your X-Wing fighter out of the swamp and put it on dry land. And so Luke holds out his hand. He tries to do it. And it comes out a little bit. And then it just sinks back to the bottom. He says, I can't. He says, you know, Yoda says, do it again. And he says, I'll, I'll try. And then the famous line, you know, there is no try. There is only do. Yeah. And I'm starting to go, okay, I've heard this stuff before, mm-hmm. right? And then uh, Luke tries it again and comes out a little bit more, falls back down. You can tell the belief in himself isn't there. Mm-hmm. And it's good acting, too, the way that they did this and the way they shot it. And then he, he looks at Yoda and eventually he's just like, you're impossible. This, this can't happen. You know what I mean? And this is Luke saying all these things to himself. Right. I'm wide-eyed at this point, mm-hmm. you know, and just focused on this. So as Luke goes to rest somewhere, Yoda steps up, lifts his three fingers, <laughs> and with no effort at all, takes the X-Wing fighter out of the swamp, puts it on the dry land. And Luke is astonished by this. And this is this honestly changed my life. Hmm changed it forever these next words luke looks at yoda and he goes i don't believe it and yoda says that's why you failed 
Ah. And see, I got goosebumps yeah. now. <laughs> and I, I, I saw that scene and I look and I'm like, oh my God, my dad's Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> my dad is, oh. he's been teaching me this stuff and it works. So you're amazing. That's just I, incredible. I was going to say, does your dad have a book out? Or <laughs> yeah, your dad. Does he do no, some coaching? He, he easily could. Mm-hmm. And you know, the thing I love about my dad is he actually gets coaching from other people to this day, just because even though he taught me all these different things and my mom did as well, um, you can never, ever be perfect. Mm-hmm. People who, who search for the perfect, like perfect, this you're always going to make mistakes. You know what's perfect? Really, as close to perfect as you're going to get is when you make a mistake, learn from it. Mm-hmm. That's the best way you can get better. If you're always willing to better yourself and improve yourself, mm-hmm. become a better person, doesn't matter with your career, whatever it is, that's the perfect life because you're learning. And you'll never stop learning to the day you die. But mm-hmm. if you can take advantage of those mistakes, mm-hmm. there is gold in every piece of failure that you you come across i I think those those feelings of perfection too like they're based on your projections of what you assume to be a perfect situation Mm -hmm. and then again with over detailing your visualization you're limiting the the potential the capacity of the experience exactly absolutely i i love that so yeah you know it's like tying that all in with belief and stuff be careful of how you speak about yourself Mm -hmm. you know don't talk negatively about yourself. Don't talk negatively. You know, that that Star Wars exchange of words in, the, in that movie changed my life forever, right? I never forgot that. I still get goosebumps to this day. Mm. Um, visualization is very powerful. You know, don't attach to the details. That's a big one. Uh, don't do it for too long. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Uh, do it in a place where you also feel very comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know uh, you know what I love doing? There's a place just up the road from where you guys live and there's trails there. Yeah. Have you guys gone I, those I trails? I go to those trails, yeah. I visualize there all the time. Yeah. I drive up here and, and I just I can go, visualize yeah, it. Because I find a spot and I'll sit down and it's quiet. I can hear the streams. I can hear the birds. Yeah, it's beautiful. And then that's my background for where I want to be. Yeah. You know, and, and it's amazing, right? So- all these things are, are huge, and, and they've been huge attributes to my career. Speaking of which, <laughs> you have a new project mm-hmm. that you, this is more your own creation? Yes. Or and, collaboration? Yeah. Or can collaboration. you tell us a bit, about, a bit about this? Yeah, for sure. It's, it's called The Monolith, and it's my dream band, to be honest. Um, Why? Because with Devin Townsend, I accomplished many of my goals and dreams. I did. And I'm very grateful for all the time I spent in it. The only difference is I hired Gun the whole time. Mm. It wasn't a band. Mm. It was Devin's music. He wrote everything. And we were hired. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that. Right. Like I said, I achieved so many great things and I'm very grateful for it. A monolith, though, is members made up of a bunch of different known metal bands. And all from Canada, actually. It just happened to work out that way. Wow. Um, but... Uh, it's completely a band. And yes, I started it with uh, Brian Waddell, who's, who played bass with, in Devon Town's project. Mm. And then the singers, John Howard, he um, played in a band called Threat Signal that did very well all around the world. And then we have Kai Hoopinen, who's another local Vancouverite. I know uh, Kai. You know Kai. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he played Noise Therapy, played with Tommy Lee and Motley Crue with uh, Tommy Lee's solo band Methods of Mayhem. 
right? Kai's a great guy, killer guitar so player. So talented. Yeah. Awesome performer. Mm-hmm. He does voiceover stuff too. I we, yeah, we've been in touch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's awesome. Side project. Yeah. <laughs> but then he's so busy with the band now that he's not doing as much in his new baby. But yeah, he's yeah. definitely, definitely but involved. Such a great guy. Yeah. Too. And then we have Scott Whalen, who played with O'Connell and Crush for five years. Wow. He's uh, playing bass for us, you know. So oh, I didn't know Scott was in your band. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Scott's playing That's bass. Awesome. So it's kind of like this group of uh guys who played in a bunch of other you don't like to call it a super group yeah. but it's, it's a, a super, super group. group right yeah <laughs> yeah i know it's like I have, I have problems with that we were talking about that earlier but you know it's i don't know i'm i, I just like to to approach things as as like hey this is what i love doing yeah and uh i don't want to attach any you know names to it i just want it to be what it's going to be yeah but yeah if other people call it that so, so be it you know and the music um, is amazing. Thank you. Like your your yeah. new video, it's so good. Like you can you can tell you guys are just like on and, fire. And the album's not out yet, right? March twenty seventh, it comes out. That's I'm exciting. Very exciting. Ooh. And that kicks <laughs> off the tour, or yeah. And then uh, the same day that the album comes out, we start our headlining tour in the UK, and it's a tour, a five week tour of UK and Europe. Wow. And uh, we're headlining, so it's like these are massive dreams for me that are about to come true. It's like the the beauty of it too, is the record is being released on our own record label, which we chose to do it that way. We did not want to sign with the label just because it didn't make any sense. We're in a position where thankfully we could release it under our own label. That gives us way more um, control over what the music's going to be, how it's going to be released. Uh, the direction, just absolutely everything is in our control. When you go on tour, who you go all with, like all that. Yeah, which I'm sure is. My only problem is now who's going to teach my son drums <laughs> while you're away. Can Let's he go with you? Yeah, right. <laughs> Drum tag? Can we go with you? <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's it's a huge, huge dream come true. It's a lot of work. I'm not going to lie. I'm sure. The amount of work that was involved, I knew it was a lot. I had no idea. Do you have a tour manager or you guys? Oh, yeah. 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 We, we have all that. Like we, we've hired PR. We have a radio person. We got um, a tour manager. We got a project manager. Like everything. It's as right. pro as any label. Wow. It's just we're running it. That's so, awesome. That's really cool. So will you do your motivational um, talks still while you're touring? Yes. That's that's the plan. Um for those that don't know, when I toured with Devin Townsend Project, I, I did free motivational seminars. And uh, what they were, again, that's another term. It's like uh, motivational. It's like, yes, it is motivational, but more more so, how did I get to where I am mm-hmm. and what steps did I use to get to where I am? And I just want to share this with other people. Mm-hmm. The people who support me, I'm like, this is what I did. Take these steps. If you can use them and it can better your life, I'm stoked. I'm happy. And I don't charge for any, for these. I think that's the best way to teach, though, is, you know, you're speaking from your experience. Mm-hmm. You're speaking from your intimate, like, life. This, yes. is, this is what worked for you. And these are stories that prove it. Like, you're not trying to teach some sort of process or procedure that someone else taught you. This is like, this is my stuff. And that's where people can really connect with that, I think. 100%. If you can give stories that are about yourself where you, especially the ones where I failed mm-hmm. miserably, mm-hmm. but I didn't give up. Mm-hmm. It's like the, the studio session work stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, yeah. 
That you was, got rejected many, yeah. many times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I never gave up. I kept going. But if you can give actual stories as opposed to going, Michael Jordan did this and Wayne Gretzky did this. And you know what? I've seen too many motivational seminars where it's rah, rah, rah. Everything's like positive and you're going to do great. And, you know, visualize and it'll all come true. And I, I find there's two things. And, and I'm not saying in general, because there's some amazing motivational speakers, you know, Gary Vee's incredible, you know, mm-hmm. there's Jack Canfield's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like a guy named Mike Dooley, who does some amazing stuff. Yeah. But here's the thing, you got to be very, very open minded with this stuff, you got to you got to go out there and you got to say, you're going to run into mistakes, you're going to run into failure. Mm-hmm. But how you deal with that failure mm-hmm. is truly the secret mm-hmm. it'll determine what happens next yeah it's 100%. like it's like when you're in those moments where you want to give up like for example i just started writing a book and it's it's all about like how i'm using my flaws and all the crap that i've been through in my life to to fuel like success and and you know not giving up so that's and i've started writing my book i'm like oh my gosh i just want to quit this like why what am i doing why am i doing this this is ridiculous but I'm just like, no, I know this is the step that I'm bumping up against. And I just got to like keep going. <laughs> so You do. And, and when you look at those mistakes, if you take the time to figure out why that happened and how can you better yourself as a result, mm-hmm. that's where the goal is. That's mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. So I will use these examples in these seminars to mm-hmm. all these people. I'll just say, look, this is what I did, but this is how I got better because of it and why I'm here now. Yeah. And that's what all of us need to look at. Yeah. If you want to be better, if you want to be the best you can be and keep on growing, learn from your mistakes, but also learn from your successes. Mm -hmm. So many people succeed. Don't forget about that. Exactly. They succeed and then they go, oh, whatever, I succeeded. I don't Mm -hmm. need to look at that. That's one of the dumbest things anyone Mm -hmm. can do. Why did you succeed? Mm -hmm. What steps did you take that you normally wouldn't have taken that got you there? So- Anything that I do, it's not like I'm dissecting everything, but I'm looking at the things that made it work or the things that didn't make it work. Mm -hmm. So I can come together with this plan that I can, you know, use anywhere in my life. Mm -hmm. Like speaking of that, what does it feel like to be on a stage with like, like I've seen some of your photos where it's just like a sea of people. Like, what are you thinking in those moments? Uh, gratitude. <laughs> it's just like, like it's just awesome. Seriously, there's there's times it it honestly depends where I'm at that day because yeah. you, you go through various uh, emotions and stuff when you're on the road. I'm sure. For for example, um, here's kind of a true funny story. I played a sold out Royal Albert Hall, which is one of the most iconic places you can play on the planet and that's in london england so many massive famous bands have played there right right down to my favorite band which a lot of people don't know this is the beatles it's my favorite band of all time cool and so to, to be able to sit in the same dressing room they were and you know to hit the same stage they hit it, it was something else but wow. for example i was there sold out show okay being filmed for a blu-ray to boot okay mm-hmm. which you can buy and uh so i'm just like wow, this is insane. I hit the stage, we start playing, and I look out there, and it's this sold-out Royal Albert Hall. I'm just in awe. I'm like, I'm doing this. I've done it. This, this is it. The goosebumps, you know, everything. And then I, I remember looking up at the very top, and when it's sold out, they'll open standing room only at the very top of the venue. I'm looking, I'm like, oh, my God, there's standing room only. 
I'm doing this. And as I'm doing this, I come back to reality because I'm just basking in all this glory. And the opening song, it's a bit tricky. And there's some cool <laughs> drum parts. And I'm like, where am I? Oh, shit. And, oh, God. <laughs> and not a word of a lie. I'm making stuff up to oh the point God. where even Devin turns around and he's like, oh, what's up, bro? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I pulled it off. Right. He just saw you got it. back in. I got back yeah. in. I got back on time. Everything's the click track live, too. Our lights are run off. So if I fall off, oh, that's wow. it. Wow. Yeah. Like You're, the, like, running the show back there. <laughs> I am, right? Fire and so the lights. Yeah. Devin thought... You know, I was just excited playing Sold Out Royal Albert Hall. I was just giving her a little more because I started improvising. I had to because I was like, where am I? Oh, my God, I've lost it, you know. Oh, and, wow. and then I was listening to the tracks and focus, got back on. And when I watch it back now, I laugh. But it does sound it. like that. It just sounds like I'm going off and, you know, doing <laughs> some cool. And it was all on time. It was all yeah, it, it worked out perfect, right? But there's a great example of what it feels like in, in front of those big crowds is I'm just like that time and moment because of that place is just pure gratitude and just in awe that while well, I'm doing this and who knows, I might not ever play there again. I might, you don't know, right? Yeah. But the fact that I did it, it was awesome. Then there's other times I remember last time I played, uh, what was it? Hellfest, it's called. It's a massive festival for metal hard rock bands in France. And uh, that's like 80,000 people or something. Nice. And it's just up there another day at, at work. Yeah. I remember getting off stage where it's just like, it's kind of like, oh, you huh. know, it's just another day. You know, and to other people, they're like, are you crazy? Right. It's like 80,000 people. What a rush. And, you know, but it was just that point of the tour. Yeah. We'd been touring so much that year that, I, you know, it's fairly tired. You miss and home stuff, and, right? yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's road-weary, right? Like, it gets... There's better. different things, yeah. right? And then, you know, another thing I did that was... And there's actually a video out there on my YouTube page of this. But, uh, you know, one of my friends, uh, Jeff Warbeck, he he had passed away, unfortunately, to, to cancer. And uh, I was playing Download. And Jeff was a guy who played in various bands around town as well but he never made it as a professional musician but he always loved it and he was a big supporter of me like we're mm -hmm. bros and he was a fellow drummer right and we were playing download which is a massive festival real popular one in england and uh i think it's still the biggest one and we we're playing main stage and i talked to my buddy tim steinrock do you know tim no i don't okay he's another guy big in the local music scene and tim and jeff were best friends Hmm. And uh, I said to Tim, I'm like, hey, man, can you give me some of Jeff's ashes to bring along with me in a picture of him? He's like, okay. He's like, why do you want that just for when you're touring? I never knew you guys were that close. I said, no, no. I said, Jeff was a bro, you know, and I want him to be on stage with me at Download. Aww. And it brought tears to Aww. Tim's eyes, right? Because he's like, Jeff would love that. I said, oh. not love it. He's going to love it. I know, I, I believe our energy goes somewhere when we pass. Mm -hmm. And I seriously believe that. So I'm like, just let's do this. So I did this video. You can see it on my YouTube page. And oh. it starts off with, you know, in memory of Jeff. But uh, I put his picture there and his ashes. And he rocked out with me in front of 80,000 wow. people, 50,000 oh. people at download, right? And oh. uh so there's that emotion yeah. that I can tie to it. It's like I'm thinking about others too.
Yeah. You know, when I do these things, I think about my parents, I think about my brother, I think about the rest of the guys in the band, you know? Like, it's just all those life experiences that mm-hmm. you set up for yourself by believing in yourself. Like, the places you've been is, re- like, Kate, tell us about your Starbucks cups and your collection. Yeah. <laughs> this is great. And your full pantry. Yeah. This is why I wanted to do this interview, talking about my Starbucks <laughs> cups. Um, so... I noticed you guys. What what city is that? This is California. Yeah, just California. Perfect. Yeah. We uh, what York do you mean, just? Well, <laughs> I well, love California. Well, we only have two. We have a California Starbucks cup, and we have a New York cup. We yeah, got to get out more. Yes. <laughs> I got both those ones too. Um, so what it was is when you go on tour, uh, everyone has their thing. They'll collect shirts. They'll collect pens. They'll magnets. Whatever you know, postcards. Uh, for me, I was like, I love my Starbucks coffee. All right. And it started when I was in Las Vegas one time and uh, I was walking down the strip, went to Starbucks and the Las Vegas cup just looked really cool, the coffee mug. And so I'm like, I'm buying that just souvenir, right? I wasn't even on tour. And then I went on tour after that and I started seeing, I'm like, oh, they have them in every city. So if you go to Paris, there's the Eiffel Tower on it. You know, the, the Las Vegas one was the Las Vegas sign. And it's different. These are the new ones. I don't like the newer ones. I stopped collecting them because of that. But oh, you can really? still find the older ones in Europe when you tour. Oh, right? really? Um, but anyways, so yeah, you know, San Francisco was the uh, Golden Gate Bridge, you know, like all those yeah. things. Mm-hmm. So when I went on tour, I'm like, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. So I, you know, go to Helsinki, I grab a mug there. And that became my thing. The, everyone in the band, the whole crew, they're like, Hey, Ryan, we saw a Starbucks, uh, Starbucks oh, like two blocks away. I'm like, oh, thanks, guys. And oh, I said, love that. Right? Oh, you're right so cute. <laughs> so that was my mad hunt on every city. Yeah. I remember we were in Sofia and uh, in, in Bulgaria and, and there's another place in Romania. But anyways, I, I think it was Sofia. Um, I walked for an hour and a half because I had the Starbucks app. Oh, like, yeah. And this Starbucks better still be open. <laughs> but we found it and it was in a mall, Brian and I. Is uh, in Devon Townsend and Monolith. We walked there and uh, found it. I got that mug. So here's the cool thing about these mugs, guys. I got like 60 of them or something. <laughs> my w- wife can't stand it because my it <laughs> takes up all the cupboard space in the <laughs> kitchen, so right? Fun. But the cool thing about these mugs, every time I grab one, I know exactly how I found it, what happened that wow. day, where I was. I, I just remember it. You should memory time capsules. It is. You should write a book on like all the places and what you were doing at that time and like give it to Starbucks. They should endorse you. Yeah, right. (laughs) I I have been writing it. I've been writing a book for a long time. Oh, cool. But it's not like I want to, uh, I have a deadline for it. Yeah. I know when the time will be right to to release it because I'm just, I'm living life and I feel there's a lot more to come and there is with a monolith, right? Yeah, you're just just beginning. Right. It's, it's like, I mean, limitless what you guys are going to do. This is your first tour, first album. It's it's a lot of work, and it, you have to start from the ground up, Yeah, right? yeah. So, you know, but with those Starbucks mugs, it's like, I'm hoping I can grab a few more of the old school ones yeah. in Europe. Because, you know, I've been to Budapest. I already got the Budapest one. You know, it's like I went to Santiago, Chile one time. We played a big festival down there, and I got that mug, which is like, kind of a prize one because we've only been there once okay are you going any new like so you're obviously going newer places like with the with this band with the monolith i think there's only one place 
that we haven't been to one or two maybe that we haven't toured with Devin, which sure. is kind of cool. cool. You're always yeah. keeping on the back of your mind, Kate. Did I go to this Starbucks? Kate, yeah, sure. Oh, oh this yeah. one. Make sure you get this one. You know what? <laughs> I, I screwed up once because I got two Czech Republic mugs. Oh, oh no. really? I'm like, do I have this one? Oh, so really? Like, now I keep a picture on my phone. I'm like, okay. Oh, because yeah, oh, right. you've just been to so many places. It's so right? cool. Yeah. Um, just a couple more questions, yeah, Ryan. Yeah. Really value your time and thank you for being here. Of um, one thing I was just, I was thinking that I want to ask you was with your, um, you know, inspiring motivational talks that you do uh, around the world, have you had any uh, success stories come back to you for, from something that you've said that someone's I've achieved? I've had a bunch. That's a great question. I'm glad you asked it. Um, the one that touched me the most was this girl in Australia. I love Australia. I've been there like, I think it's five times now. And she's in Sydney. And I've done two separate talks there. Um, one was a combo with the drum clinic tour I did, which was the first thing I did, where it was half drum clinic, and then the later half was the, the motivational talking. Wow. Um, and this girl that I met uh, there, she came to my drum clinic. I spoke at the end of it, and she was crying at the end of it. She's like, that was so amazing. I just wanted to do something with my, you know, um, personal training, but, you know, it's like, I don't want to be in a gym. I want to do my own business, but it's so hard. I said, don't say it's hard. You, you you just killed every opportunity by saying that. You can't say that. Mm. She goes, I know that's what you said in this. And I'm like, in your uh, seminar, I'm like, exactly. So what I want you to do is start. Start with one client. Do whatever you can. Just start. If you want to message me, I don't know her. She's <laughs> a, a supporter, right? So yeah. I'm like, you can message me. It's fine. Just start and have a vision in mind. I gave her all the things that we talked about in this uh, podcast, Okay. Mm -hmm. I come back a couple years later with Devin Townsend Project on tour. I throw just a motivational seminar for free at a hotel conference room. About 50 people show up. She uh, shows up. Mm -hmm. I'm like, hey, holy smokes, how's it going, right? She's like, good, good, good. You know, we didn't have too much time to catch up because I just got there. We're starting. So uh, I'm going through the the seminar. And at the end, I always hold a Q&A. And the first question was hers. And she says, this isn't a question. This is a thank you. And I'm like, oh, okay. I said, please tell your story, right? She said, I saw Ryan two years ago, blah, blah, blah. Fast forward two years later, her own business, 50 clients, makes a living off it. Wow. And is gaining attention all throughout Sydney about her personal training thing. She thought outside the box. She teaches it outside, not inside a gym. Hmm. She incorporates things like around you, whether it's boulders or rocks, because she'll take people to Bondi Beach and do stuff. And, you know, like hmm. she'll do hmm. all these these original things for her personal training. And now she makes a living off it. Wow. And it all started, she said, from that drum clinic tour that I did. She said that was the inspiration. And the biggest thing that I want to say before your next question, before we finish the podcast is, guys, the most important thing you can do, and the one thing that I told her in parting the first time I met her, be a first-rate version of yourself, not a second-rate version of someone else. Mm. Because you want to know something? Neil Peart was my biggest drum influence. Mm. And I tried to be him so much when I was growing up. And my dad said, Ryan, you will never be better than Neil Peart. I'm like... Thanks for the support, <laughs> Mr. Positive. You know, I'm just like, what? And he goes, what I'm trying to say, Neil Peart can only do Neil Peart the best that Neil Peart can be. 
Mm-hmm. Be Ryan Van Puderoy. Mm. Be the best Ryan Van Puderoy you can be and have people look up to that. And I never forgot that. Mm, and that's, that's why huge. I'm saying it's so important to be yourselves. Yeah. And that's what I said to this girl, you know, and she did it. She mm. did it her own way. And that's why she's succeeding. That's why she's getting a name for herself is because she's being herself. Wow. That's yeah. so inspiring. Like, I love it. Thank you so much. Yep. I yeah. I was just going to say, uh, to, to wrap up a little bit here, mm-hmm. can you tell our listeners where to find you? Where Where is it going to be released? Your new album? Can, can, you have a video out already for the single or yeah. one of the singles. Yeah. How can we reach you? Okay. So for the bands, please follow... Uh, a monolithband.com. A monolith is spelled I-M-O-N-O-L-I-T-H band.com. Uh, definitely check that out. You can pre-order the album, concert tickets, everything you can get through there. And uh, that's my passion. That's my baby. That's that's where I'm going. You know, yeah. as far as me on social media, I run this page called RVP Health Body and Mind. And a lot of this podcast has talked about that stuff today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't been posting, I'll admit, a lot the last bunch of months because it's been so all busy. a yeah. yeah. But I do go on there and it's very inspirational stuff. You can go back years and there is so much mm-hmm. great stuff on there. But that's a Facebook page. Check that out. If you want to, you know, hear more about my involvement with that stuff, that's the perfect place to go. I always check messages, message me. But those two places are huge. And then just... For everything, rvpdrums.com. Yeah, you've got a great website. Like, I think, I feel like personal branding is something that you thought about too when you're putting everything together. It's like everything's streamlined and. Yeah, it's all connected. And yeah. I've had a lot of help and I learned a lot from all the different people in the industry. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's it, guys. If, if there's one thing I can say is, you know, believe in yourself, take action, never quit. You know, be careful of how you talk about yourselves visualizing meditating is such a powerful tool and uh you know what more importantly do what you love and love what you do every day that's so important because in the end you know what i'm really wanting to to contain and to to keep consistent is happiness Mm -hmm. it's it's not money it's it's not love it's not the cars it's all of that Mm -hmm. and that equals happiness so work on yourself every single day do what you love, love what you do, mm. be grateful, mm-hmm. and and just live life to the max. We only have one life to live. Yeah. Live it to the max every day. I love that. Before before we say bye, I want to give a shout out to your beautiful wife. Awesome. I love Angela. <laughs> Angela is incredible. She's so, so supportive. She's, <laughs> that's a, that's an understatement. <laughs> she's amazing. She's a, she's a incredible person. And uh, yeah, my best friend for sure. Fantastic. Thank you, Ryan. Thank High you. fives again. Vibes. I'm going to go find that, that Blu-ray DVD, I think. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, it's find that. you can see it online. The Blu-ray DVDs out there. There's tons of stuff. But thanks so cool. much for having me. This was a lot of fun. We'll see you on Saturday at Trace's 100% uh, drum lesson. That's right. <laughs> Bye for now. Bye for now. See ya. <laughs>